perfection. Radio Play, an oft-ridiculed frontier. It all started when a remote programming experiment some community radio station on the central coast of California was conducting went a little caca. Their names are Gall, Moses, and Ted. They're lost, aren't we all? One of them owns an astronaut costume, shot through a wormhole for the sake of narrative explanation. Anyway, here they are, bouncing around speculative fiction thematic time and space, rather timidly going where many a man has gone before. These are the voyages of the Incompanots. Interior, television studio, space station. In the near future, the Earth is too overpopulated. Film and television has been taken to space, creating studio space stations all in the Earth's orbit. Inside the studio of KQTV, there is a clamoring of telephones ringing and low chatter. Gall and Ted are getting mic checked as the camera is about to roll. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Welcome back to our Pledge Drive. And just remember, public television is only possible with the support of viewers like you. We are in the middle of our seven-day marathon of the anime adaptation of The Incompanance, Munona Uchi Hikoshi. You know, I just love the work of Tetsuo Sasaki. And by the buzzing of these phones, you do too. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks, this pledge is going 24 hours a day. And the only way we can keep this up is with your support and your donations. That's right. We need your money, friends. Moses, what can our viewers expect with their pledges? Well, Gall, Ted, I couldn't possibly go through all of the 3,426 pledge packages we offer. But I'll highlight some of my favorites. With a pledge of 100 units, you will receive a portrait of the late Leonard Nimoy, signed by the top-rate Leonard Nimoy impersonator, Frank Wilkinson. With your pledge of 500 units... Whoa now! Whoa, 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 whoa! Let me stop you there. Did you say Frank Wilkinson? That's incredible. Sorry to interrupt you, Moses, but it looks like we're getting a really big pledge call. One million units. We've got to get that donor on the air. It's a Brian G. from Space Station ACD 465. (laughs) Fools, I've got your location targeted. If you don't cancel this pitiful pledge drive, I will shoot a whole lot of photon laser into that studio of yours. Oh, no. How did you get this number? Or our location? Are are you serious? Your number has been flashing on the screen for what seems like years. Damn it, Brian! No matter. I have your coordinates here. 35-201-664. Oh, I remember your voice. You called earlier for those coordinates. I thought it was for craft services. Moses! Moses! Uh, well... Don't worry, I completely mixed up the numbers. Uh, I meant to call you back, I'm so sorry. No. Then who do I have my laser pointed at? I will get you! Well, that's enough of that. So, uh, we won't get the donation? Let's get everyone back to the show, shall we? (laughs) 
KCSB listeners, you're listening to Last Refuge of the Incompetent, and we are in the middle of the KCSB fun drive. What? Yes. Anyway, I'm Gull. I'm Moses. I'm Ted. This is a speculative fiction show. Every week we we pick a theme, we curate some stuff around that theme, and then we talk about it. That's uh, the most generic way i could describe what we yeah, do yeah it's it's three friends having a book club you get to listen to it now give us some money of course <laughs> no, no, not us don't give where you don't get any money we're volunteer djs give yeah. the station some money keep the keep everyone on air yeah so the fun drive happens every year this year it's a little bit different if you're a regular kcsb listener you've probably already figured that out sussed that out but it goes from the 17th to the 24th, so you've got four more days if you're listening to this when it airs. <laughs> if you're not listening to it, you've got who knows how much time. Uh, it's a seven-day fundraising event where we raise money for the station to keep it running, because um, this is a community-run uh, radio station. It's It's for public consumption. People don't make money off of it. And um, normally you could call in and donate, but because a lot of this programming is remote, for example, the three of us are currently not in the <laughs> radio station. <laughs> or in the county of the yeah. radio station. And we're in the past right now. Oh, it's that's a, an even more reserved <laughs> county. Yeah. <laughs> the past is a different county. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so you can go to kcsb.org. That's kcsb.org and donate to support KCSB-FM. You receive a thank you gift when you donate. All donations can be made through the website this year. There's a special merchandise page. You can get hats, t-shirts, masks. Masks, guys. Masks. <laughs> keeping, keeping relevant. Sorry, yeah. can I just get another masks from you? <laughs> <laughs> um, masks? Right, oh, how about uh, I went too much. How about te- texts? We need more consonants in a row. Do, do the masks have texts on them? Oh, <laughs> that's all. That is a lot of they. They yes, the masks probably have texts on them. Excellent. <laughs> um. Anyway, we had we were thinking for at first we were like we'll do a fun drive related theme, and then the only thing we could think of that was fun drive related was this film from the. 70s 1979 called americathon and it is a whopper of a movie you might get some clips from it throughout this episode depending on how fancy free ted is feeling maybe a few so so instead we're doing a little special show um kind of like an intro 
to sci-fi. More like a, the three of us are going to talk about the sci-fi that either f- like first started us out into being really into the genre, or if you're not really a person that's ever read sci-fi, this is a good place to start. That kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. We're just going to have some miscellaneous primers. <laughs> Miscellaneous primers, it's broken up into three sections, so you'll get a feel for what the three of us are like, <laughs> I guess. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Uh, and, the three, and we're all kind of like curating the music for our sections, and then Ted, based on timing, is going to do the... Well, he's going to make the ultimate choice, so he doesn't <laughs> like some of our selections. I'm going to cut just... that baby in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're giving him a lot to choose from that he can cut. Cut and call. I will give Ted a lot, or I'll give him a little bit. I haven't come up with anything yet. You will have by the time of this broadcast. Donate to the station, support the creative endeavors of your community members and your remote community members. Yeah, please do. All right, so let's, what? (laughs) I I can get out of any sentence that way. (laughs) It's a great parachute. Deepest pool of deepest blue shall swim to you. Morning never waits for you, shall wait for you. You're listening to the the podcast edit of Last Refuge of the Incompetents. What does that mean? Well, that means that all that lovely music that we curate for the radio that fits the theme perfectly and is eclectic and interesting and wonderful to listen to has to be edited out and if you don't care then keep listening but if you do care check us out on mixcloud the full unedited show can be found there don't know how to find that just go to lastrefugepod.com lastrefugepod.com all the information you need can be found, accessed, okay. My, what is my section? Well, I decided I wanted to talk to you all about, like, graphic novels and comic book series. Because... I didn't read a lot of sci-fi growing up. I think I read like a few short stories here and there, but I wasn't, it wasn't like prevalent in my youth, but I did grow up in a, I grew up in like a comics household, like a Sunday funnies household. Um, <laughs> ah, it is the gateway graphic novel. <laughs> it, I mean, honestly, what else, what is... Um, but, like, we had, like, Asterix and Calvin and Hobbes and, like, Foxtrot. Was there one called, like, Baby Blues or something? We oh, had yeah. a lot. That one even yeah. had an animated TV show briefly. Not sci-fi, though. <laughs> they didn't yeah. do a single sci-fi episode. <laughs> so mad at them. Um, and I didn't, didn't, we didn't, nobody read, even though I had two older brothers, nobody read, like, comic books. Like, there was no Marvel or DC. There was no superheroes in my life. Just comics but there was a lot of mad magazine because that was every summer we would go to my my parents family and we would get mad magazines to read 
And that was really important. And I think that kind of was what led me into, as I got older, because Mad Magazine is is not for children. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it is. But eventually it led me into uh, Zap Comics and Arkham and like the underground comic scene from the 60s. And then that led me into this whole idea of like being really into comics, but like serious ones, <laughs> like um, serious graphic novels, like Joe Sacco's um, series of like journalism graphic novels. There's also like a really good one called Logic Comics about Burton Russell and like the start of computational mathematics. And then eventually, took me a while, but in, sometime in college, I stumbled upon. I stumbled upon comic books. <laughs> and I think I started out probably with Watchmen and V for Vendetta and just Alan Moore stuff. And then um, my recommendation to you, dear listeners, are um, these three things. Um, Transmetropolitan, From Hell, and Sweet Tooth. Okay, so... Yeah, go I'm ahead. surprised that uh, I expected why The Last Man to be on that list. Yeah, it's not on the list because it's got some weird ideas about Israel and... Um, <laughs> well, I, somehow I don't remember that part. <laughs> I yeah. think it does. I don't think I, I finished that series, so I didn't think I did, get that Israel. I don't remember it. Let me just try and... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so the concept of Why the Last Man, if this is being kept in, is that... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, all, the, all the men in the world disappear except for one man. And well, they um, die. Yeah, they die. Horribly. And yes. And he's like become like everybody's trying to get a hold of him for separate reasons. One of the few nations that has still a lot of military like their military didn't just completely crumble is Israel. So I mean, that's not the weirdest idea about Israel <laughs> no. that I've ever heard. <laughs> no. No, I guess not. No, I didn't include it because it's not my favorite, so Oh, I see. Anyway. I think I think I got the recommendation of it from you, and I really I liked it. It's good. Years yeah. ago, so thank you. <laughs> I included Transmetropolitan because that was that, I think that was the first comic book series that I that I read. Like, I mean, I read Watchmen, but that's it's just a one-off, isn't it? Yeah, it's short. But Transmetropolitan is was written from 1997 to 2002. It's a DC Comics by Warren Ellis. And it's a cyberpunk transhumanist comic book series. And I think I got really into it. I think the reason that I discovered it and got into it is because it's about basically like Hunter S. Thompson type character. Yeah, Cyber S. Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really... I was really into Hunter S. Thompson in college. I sound like an insufferable, like... <laughs> I mean, I kept all these thoughts to myself, so I think maybe that's better, right? Like, I wasn't, like... I feel like I was like I could be, like, a really annoying man at a party. Like, <laughs> do you want to talk I, about Hunter S. Thompson? Go ahead. I guess that character was, a, like, more of a journalist than a hacker, but a uh, hacker S. Thompson is a better pun. So That's true. That's good. Do you like... <laughs> I know. I'm sticking with cyber. Cyber S. Thompson. Anyway, okay. Transhumanism is a philosophical movement that advocates for the transformation 
of the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies able to greatly modify or enhance human intellect and physiology. And I like that kind of story. I like weird human messing with their bodies and their genes and their brains. And their wearing, funny <laughs> wearing funny sunglasses. Wearing funny sunglasses. An important part of transhumanism, for sure. <laughs> uh, the main character is, is a guy named Spider Jerusalem. He's a renegade gonzo journalist of the future. He's like dedicated to fighting the corruption and abuse of power. There's two terrible United States presidents. He's got his quote-unquote filthy assistants. And... Um, <laughs> He gets really famous inadvertently. Oh my god. Yeah. Cats, shut up. He gets really famous inadvertently, and he's trying to, like, just like Hunter S. Thompson, got really famous and then went and lived in a weird little compound and didn't want to talk to people. So that's <laughs> that's Transmetropolitan. <laughs> Have you guys read it? I read the first couple issues, and I liked it. I just didn't uh, keep going. I just said I'll get back to this later, and I haven't. Yeah, same. I definitely read some of it at some point a long time ago and enjoyed it, and then never finished it, I think. Yeah, some of those are hard to finish, or what'll happen is I'll go... I haven't done this in a really long time, but I used to go through these stretches of buying comic books... And then I and then I have to stop because I'd be like, "This is too much money, and I need to stop <laughs> yeah. buying comic books." Um, so I don't think I finished Why the Last Man because of that, or maybe I did finish. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Oh, Fables! This one called Fables. I never finished because I was like, "I gotta stop buying comic books." <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, and but this one from Hell is is a one off compendium compendium it's one big book you can buy um and the reason i included it look it's kind of a stretch putting it in the speculative fiction category because it's like about jack the ripper but it is alan moore speculating about jack the ripper basically like who he would be who he was and all that stuff like time after time yes oh yeah (laughs) exactly and also that song was based on (laughs) <laughs> well the, the song was based on the poster for that film i don't believe cindy lopper had actually seen it <laughs> this is my recommendation for folks that have either never read a comic book and are like they're like comic books are not i don't see the reason to read a comic book because it's like a very um well researched it's like a historical novel almost so that's what's really cool about it and also <clears throat> i think it's good for people that have like or aren't into the speculative fiction nonsense because <laughs> it's like a starter into Alan Moore's writing because it is kind of like historical fiction, basically. And people would really, if you're into, if you're into serial killers, this is a very interesting book. And if you're what's, into like Victorian England, what's the uh, goriness level of the violence in this book? Yeah, no, it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's for adults. <laughs> um, uh, Alan Moore is like. Of Watchmen fame. He's a weird dude, but he's very likable. Um, and then I think From Hell was published. I think it was serialized first, but the full collection was published in 1999. And it's set during the Whitechapel murders of the late Victorian era. The novel speculates upon the identity and motives of Jack the Ripper. 
It depicts several true events surrounding the murders, um, although portions have been fictionalized, particularly the identity of the killer and the precise nature and circumstances of the murders. And the title is taken from the first words of the From Hell letter, which some authorities believe to be an authentic message sent from the killer in 1988. I thought this was interesting. Oh, yeah. 1988? Um, 1888. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Was Alan Moore really Jack the River the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just owned a time machine. So ah, <laughs> went back and met him. got through this. <laughs> and then I saw this, and I mean, don't, I don't know. I saw this online somewhere, so it may be wrong, but I thought it was interesting that From Hell was partly inspired by the title of Douglas Adams' novel, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, in that it explores the notion that to solve a crime holistically, one would need to solve the entire society in which it occurred. Because the crux Mm -hmm. of this book is like about how Victorian England made Jack the Ripper. It's very well researched. And, uh... Come at me if you don't think it's speculative. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. apparently it was made into a movie with Johnny Depp, or like it was loosely based off of this book. I don't know. Yeah, I vaguely remember probably having seen that trailer once, back um, when we were getting a lot of Johnny Depp content. <laughs> And the third, my third recommendation, the third Gaul recommendation is a comic book series called Sweet Tooth. And I included this, basically I included all three of these for anybody that's been, that's like, well, comic books are for kids. Because there's a lot of comic books that are not for kids. <laughs> Especially Sweet Tooth. It's a very adult comic book. It's from the DC Comics Vertigo imprint, and Vertigo was, like, initially created to publish comics with adult content, such as nudity, drug use, profanity, graphic violence that did not fit the restrictions of DC's mainline, thus allowing more creative freedom. It was written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. I've never heard of this one, so I'm looking forward (laughs) to checking this out. Oh, this one's cool. I think it's published from 2009 to 2013, and it's dubbed... As the Mad Max meets Bambi, basically. It takes place in like a rural post-apocalyptic setting where some creatures are human-animal hybrids. I think I really like weird human mixing body mm-hmm. DNA stories. I think that's my jam. Dr. Moreau stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. So I guess there's like a, I think there's um like a plague and then the only children born after the plague are human-animal hybrids takes place technically in Nebraska, but what's interesting is that it's written and drawn by the same guy, which usually doesn't happen. Mm. And the drawing is really cool, and he, like, used the setting. He's from Canada, from southwestern Ontario, Essex County, so he used that as the setting. The main character is a a nine-year-old boy named Gus. He's got antlers, and he's a new breed of human-animal hybrid that appeared after an apocalyptic pandemic of an unknown virus. He's raised alone by his religious father in a nature preserve in Nebraska. The other guy that he travels with is this guy named Tommy Jeppard, who is like this hulking violent drifter. And the character is based on Frank Castle's The Punisher, apparently. So that's that's kind of interesting. So those are my three suggestions for you. Uh, what's the violence level on Sweet Tooth? Very, very high. <laughs> very high. <laughs> Extremely high. 
extremely high and also upsetting because there's like weird stuff that happens to um, animal kid hybrids. Yikes. Wow. Check it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me now that I know about Richard Stanley's like visions for the island of Dr. Moreau. It kind of like reminds me of that. Oh, yeah. All the concept art from that. Yeah. And then the music that you might be hearing while I was talking. Um, yeah, we'll be playing it over <laughs> your yeah, entire yeah. section of the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, so, Arkham, like, at the same time that I was really into Arkham, I was also really into, like, early American roots music, in, as was he. So he's got an album where he drew the S... He's got an album... That he collected, he's got his own music, which I did not put on here because it's not very good. <laughs> but um, he's got an album which he like collected his favorites of early roots music, his heroes of blues, jazz, and country, and then he drew portraits of all these people. It's really good. So you might have some of that being heard. Also, Hunter S. Thompson was really into music. I think in Fear and Loathing, he's got like a list of. 10 of the best albums of the rock age. And one of the things I included was this um, Sandy Bowles 1965 Adventures for Guitar and Banjo, which is kind of kind of interesting. Yeah. And then also he wrote this song with Ralph Steadman, which is actually pretty good, um, called Weird and Twisted Nights. I've never but, heard that. Yeah, it's not bad, actually. It's pretty good. And then I found like a, a BBC article about like six musicians who inspire graphic novelist Alan Moore. And I picked two that I liked. Um, he was really into the Patti Smith album Horses. So I think I picked the Redondo Beach song from that one. And then what was this Frank Zappa one that I picked? Because he said that his wife was really into it. Oh, yeah. Who Needs the Peace Corps by Frank Zappa. Oh, is that from... Uh... We're only in it from the money, I think. It's yeah, one yeah. of the early Mothers of Invention. Yeah, that whole oh, album is... Great, and then there's a lot of really good music about Jack the Ripper, and so I just picked two. Um, this one, this old British um, so, uh, band, Screaming Lord Such, has a song about Jack the Ripper that's really good. And then Link Ray has like a surf music called Jack the Ripper, which is no words. It's just, I guess, inspired by Jack the Ripper. I don't know. If Jack could yeah. shred guitar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. If there's one person who could uh, make like instrumental surf music that invokes a serial killer, it's the guy who got an instrumental track banned for indecency. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did he get it? What are you talking uh, about? So the song The Rumble was, I think, banned from certain stations, at least, for being indecent, just because it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> just such a guitar riff. It makes you want to engage in... 1950s gang violence, I guess. That's funny. Yeah, that's it. That's Gall's section right yep. there. <laughs> Great section, Gall. Thank you. Oh, I'm supposed to give you a pitch. So, listen. Listen. I have been donating to the KCSB Fund Drive since I was a freshman. So, someone do the math for me. I can't do this math. Okay. It's too, too many numbers. Since 2000 and. Six. So, 
You do the math, listener. What do I look like? A TI-89 plus? <laughs> Silver edition? Sorry, 83 plus. I, ha- I came to UCSB already knowing about the station because I was one of those weird kids that just like looked up stuff to do before moving here, moving there, and fell in love with it immediately. And it's, and it's been such a cool experience to be able to come back and program and um, make this content that hopefully you enjoy. Um, so, you know, like, I would say give us a call, but that's not how we do it anymore. Uh, go, go to kcsb.org and um, show your love like me. I donate every year. 50 bucks gets me a t-shirt. So that's what, so that's what I do. That's my little contribution to my alma mater. Take it away, Mojo. It's your section. Take take it away to me. Yes, I'm Moses, and we're going to talk about some more stuff. Gall's uh, graphic novel section reminded me of something that I meant to bring up, or I should have brought up during the comedy episode, which was another grab bag episode, I guess I'd say. Uh, but this is... This is this has it all. It's comedy, sci-fi, graphic novel, and it's called Scud, the Disposable Assassin. Oh, never even heard of that. You ever read that? It's no. great. It's so funny, uh, and it's about a uh, it's about a robot who develops feelings. Uh, but the the deal with this robot is there's a um, Scud, and they make ro- robot assassins. Uh, you get them from a vending machine, or as they're called, venting machine, because you get all your aggression out by getting a robot to go kill someone. Uh, and you tell it who to go kill, and then they kill them. Uh, and then they self-destruct after they kill someone. And then anyway, they, this one robot goes on a mission to go kill this weird, weird scientific experiment gone wrong, so he has to go destroy it. Then he sees his uh, self-destruct label in a mirror on his back and says, wait a minute, I don't want to self-destruct. And so he incapacitates his target so it doesn't die, so it doesn't trigger a self-destruct mechanism. And then he goes freelance to try to live his life as a robot. Uh, but he has to keep paying the life support on his on his original target so he can stay alive. <laughs> so the whole series is him going around being a, you know, smart-ass robot. And it's written and drawn by Rob Schraub, who's also a comedy writer. He wrote for the Sarah oh, Silverman program. Yeah. He's like... um. Dan Harmon's comedy yeah. partner. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they were they they both were writers for the Sarah Silverman program. It's drawn by him too? Yeah. He it's it's a real labor of uh and and the Scud robot he's a real, you know, real sad sack nice guy. Uh or sad sack sensitive guy. And he says, Yeah, it's me. I'm uh I'm Scud. <laughs> I Rob Schwab am Scud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's got a bunch of hilarious bits in it, so I very strongly recommend. And sure, it's got a bit of the old hyperviolence, but uh, it's it's great. It's a great series. Dan Harmon I writes a couple I've... issues. Yeah, all all the ones I recommended were very hyperviolent. Apologies. <laughs> That's just the way it is. That's just how we, you know, we're watching The Sopranos also. Yeah, <laughs> for fun. It's got some good laughs in there. Very little, very little, very few space aliens and robots though. <laughs> uh, anyway, I wanted to bring up Scud and recommend that because uh, it's a childhood favorite of mine. And I went back and reread it re- uh, not too long ago, and it holds up. Still fun. Oh, 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 oh.
but when I when Gal pitched this episode idea of you know ways to get into sci-fi or what did you what got you into sci-fi, and I grew up reading a lot of uh, short story collections. I think those were kind of the, my main literature diet as, as a kid, and uh, they're they're very accessible is one reason. Like, and I feel like one way to frame it is, hey, it's been a, a, a rough year for the past year. Maybe you like reading, but you've just been so psychologically exhausted that you haven't gone around to it, or it's tough to maintain focus, or just not break down completely. So, uh, here are some ways to get back into the <laughs> spirit of reading. <laughs> uh, you know, when a novel is too much, just have a short story. And in sci-fi, God, there's so many. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I've mentioned before this one, and I, and I put the link in this document so we can put it on the website. 100 great science fiction short short stories that's right two shorts uh so that's a 1978 collection where each story is like three pages maximum oh nice so if you're looking for just something to get back into the habit of reading these are great some of them are really funny and some of them are just regular weird and uh it's a collection edited by isaac asabom he put it together and so he has a little blurb before each story and sometimes the blurb is, well, if I had written this story, it would have been different. But anyway, here's this guy's story. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> uh, great Asimov bit. And then after that, my favorite collection of short stories. So, like, I just, I really read everything I get my hands on. So every Arthur C. Clarke or Vonnegut or Asimov or Dick, uh, Philip K. Dick collection of short stories. There's no shortage. You know, you, you can't, you can't miss them. Plenty are also just like, you can read them online. But I wanted to recommend three in particular. So one is the Short Short Collection. The other is Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. He has a, some other, a lot of other collections too, but that one has the added bonus of they also kind of flow together. So there, it's a bunch of stories that were published over time, you know, in various science fiction story magazines. But in this collection, they're kind of organized into a narrative. Well, a loosely like a historical narrative of humans, future historical narrative of humans going to Mars. So the first encounter and then eventually humans colonizing it. And so each story is set in a different kind of zone of that timeline. And they're all great. It's cool. And I think there's even, there've been a few TV movie adaptations of some of those stories, the Martian Chronicles, which I have not seen. (laughs) So. A glowing recommendation for <laughs> I think they exist and I haven't seen them. <laughs> uh, and then this last one I just I remember the cover. The cover had a big earth on it. And I, re- I remember it contained this one story that was a kind of psychedelic idea. It was someone was hanging out with their friends, going to the movies, and this person they were waiting in line, like a long line for this movie theater. And the person got sick of waiting in line, so they went to sit down and they just we're staring at this huge crowd of people lining up for this movie, and uh, this main character was kind of a loner, so they just didn't really like big crowds in general. And then slowly they noticed weird patterns in the way people were moving, slowly synchronizing, as if they all belonged to one organism. And then they were all linked like a giant caterpillar, strangely. <laughs> like, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a weird trip. It's a Colombian sci-fi writer call, named uh, Rene Rebetes. And the story is called The New Prehistory. That's the English translation by Damon Knight. That's cool. So I put the links to that up. 
uh, and that was in the the collection I read it in is called The World Treasury of Science Fiction, which was published in 1989 and edited by David Hartwell. And that that has that has everybody. There's a Le Guin story in there. There's a uh, so that's all you need. It's got everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a that's a you know a hundred and a hundred or so incredible great sci-fi short stories. What and I want, I'd oh, like yeah. to thank sci-fi.stackexchange.com because that is like I googled. <laughs> I've been thinking of this short story for so long. Like what? I couldn't find it, and I googled you know humans in line turning into a giant organism, uh, and then someone had posted on sci-fi.stackexchange.com. Hey, I can't remember the story, and then somebody, some guy finds it and says, "Yeah, this is exactly it. It was in here. Here's all the reviews of it, and they put links to it and everything." That's cool. So thanks, sci-fi.stackexchange.com. <laughs> if there's another story you vaguely remember and you think someone else may have read it, <laughs> post there. Although there's another story that I think was also by a South American author, and it was about people becoming immortal by replacing their brains with these, like, gems. Couldn't find that one. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's one of those in... Um... He's the guy, I think it was for the math episode we... Uh, Greg Egan? Yeah, Greg Egan. He has a short story about people replacing their brains with gems. Oh, that's but gotta be it. There, I mean, it could be another one, but a South America, the South American Greg Egan. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, that part I'm not positive on, because maybe I was crossing it over with this one. Regarding adaptations of the Martian Chronicles, there was a co-production of a TV miniseries between NBC and BBC in 1979, starring Rock Hudson. Ooh, um, wow. Also, a feature film version made in Soviet Armenia in 1988. How did that not get into our Soviet episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did we also talk about the Soviet animated adaptation of There Will Come Soft Rains? Uh, well, I don't think we did, but yeah, that was from, and I guess that same Soviet Uzbek um, filmmaker also made a full-length live-action film based on part of the Martian Chronicles. Mm-hmm. I think There Will Come Soft Rains is in the Martian Chronicles, mm-hmm, so that's yes. that's a Ray Bradbury short story about a you know just a night and a house, a cool robot house that has survived a uh, nuclear weapon attack that incinerated all of its residents. And so now it's just still hanging out, doing its robot thing, just putting out breakfast, even though everybody's a shadow on a wall now. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I think I've read it and seen that um, animation. Yeah, the story's beautiful, and then the animation is 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 horrifying. <laughs> like, they really... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also beautiful, but they really ramp up the creepiness in the in the animation. It's great. Mm-hmm. What kind of music do you think you'd play? You haven't thought about it yet. Uh, probably not gonna play the postal service song that's based on that story called "We Will Become Silhouettes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just name all the songs you're not you don't want. To just, you know, section. just talking about this, I remembered. Oh yeah, there's that song, but I don't need to play that song. Yeah, we could. It's a fine song. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, maybe Zoomers don't know about the Postal Service. Maybe they'll. Maybe they're into it ironically. <laughs> well, if we're playing it ironically, the then it's going in. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I feel like that song got enough college radio play when I was on the station, so we didn't need to play it again. But now, ten years later, 
<laughs> 12 years later? 14 years later? Yeah. Probably know. some cover of that song. That yeah. I probably also will not play, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you are so psychologically wrung out that you can barely even pick up a book, here are the lightest things you can pick up. Or if you're one of those people that we talked about in our socialism episode where you're like, I don't read fiction. Well, pick these up, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Just give it a shot, you weirdo. <laughs> Not to, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I work in the tech zone. I'm a data scientist and there are plenty of people as like, I started a new job a few months ago and part of the intro is, you know, rec- is recommend a book. And so I've been reading every, you know, week or two, there's a newsletter and all the new hires come on. Nobody's recommending fiction. They're all either mm-hmm. recommending, uh, whatever, think fast or these oh. pop science books. Oh, no. And, uh, or, I respect that when they just say, oh, I'd recommend this movie instead. Or, <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Like, that I respect, but, but clearly I don't respect Think Fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah the lowest form of nonfiction. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they're just, they don't, they don't know what to, they just want to post something motivational for the team. Well, I think if there's anything we've learned during the show is that no one will ever email or call us, so we can insult any section of our audience we want. <laughs> we should no just ramp back. it up. Yeah, let's get more aggressive with each week that passes yeah. by. Come and if you're us. one of my coworkers that happened to find out that I maybe I said, Oh yeah, I do a radio show, you should listen to it, and then you listen to this one and you recommended that book. You know, we let's talk about it. Come yeah. on the show. Let's take it to HR, bro. <laughs> Meet me in Temecula. KCSB 91.9 FM is is the the radio station. It's the only one I care about. Uh, <laughs> so please keep it around. Uh, <laughs> uh, they were nice enough to have me on the air. And so if you had me on the air 10 years ago, then you're worth keeping around forever. Give some money to KCSB. Yeah. KCSB.org. That's how you do it. Yeah, I think I also won't really talk about stuff that I originally got into because, first of all, because it was so long ago that I don't remember enough about it to have anything interesting to say about it. And for the most part, it's like well-known stuff, a lot of which we've already talked about, like... Should you go read Foundation if you haven't read it? I don't know. Maybe. Probably doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Whatever. But There's a clown. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I always thought of him, that character, as like being in like full like mime makeup, like French yeah, mime makeup. At first, when they say he's a clown, I'm like okay, he's a clown. And then later, it's like oh, you don't really mean a clown, clown. <laughs> Too late, Isaac. Yeah. The mental image is already there. Uh, but I thought of three things that I consumed more recently that stuck with me for whatever reason. And I think all of them are like pretty good entry points, at least for the genre, the subgenres they're a part of. Uh, the first is a bit more recent. Um, it's a series of two novels. Uh, called Blindsight and Echopraxia. And I guess they're 
like hard science fiction um but they're so but it they're written with like a like a fast-paced thriller plot almost and they're just so jam-packed with like kind of over-the-top concepts that it makes it very readable and he's the author of Peter Watts is a scientist but unlike a lot of other scientists who end up writing science fiction who come from like a physics or engineering background he's a marine biologist i think so it it brings a sort of different perspective to the novel it's a fast read there's a lot of yeah just weird ideas like um there's hard sci-fi vampires in it i guess on a spaceship (laughs) how do you Um, make hard sci-fi vampires yeah so these they're, the Take vampires, a soft one, put it in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> the vampires are written to be like a like an ancient species of hominids that like evolved alongside humans. That's like um I'm reading Fledgling now by Octavia Butler. That's her vampire story. In and this Oh go sorry, go ahead. In this one I think they need to like they need to consume people's blood because we have like an amino acid or something that their bodies don't produce enough of, but they end up disappearing because, um, like, they end up disappearing in historical time because right angles give them seizures. <laughs> so, like, once people start building, which is why the cross um, in the vampire myth uh, bites them, like, once we start building things with the right angles, they just can't um, predate on us anymore but um like people end up bringing them back as sort of biological supercomputers because their brains work differently than ours but they have to constantly be given um like anti-seizure drugs to function Mm. but that is yeah that's only the most over the top of the concepts that's in there not a novel i hear talked about that often though like won an award um (laughs) So maybe, and I don't follow discussions about science fiction at all, so how would I know? But yeah, I had a lot of fun reading it, but it also uh, leaves you thinking afterward. So anyway, it stuck with me for like a decade or so now. So that's a recommendation. If you haven't read stuff that gets called hard hard sci-fi, and you think that whole concept is very boring... Give this a shot. Uh, would be the show Orphan Black, uh, which is a British-Canadian co-production that is just, uh, there's just something so Canadian about it, too. Uh, <laughs> just the whole thing is suffused with that feeling. I feel like it's one of the best, like, I don't know how much it's framed as, like, a cyberpunk TV show, but... I think the only show I've seen that really has that feeling to it. Although as it goes on, there's several seasons where they like they seize on something. Like this season is going to be all about this, and they totally drop. And I'm like, yeah, never mind. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> uh, so it's a little inconsistent, but um, it also has some actually interesting things to say about like biotechnology and gender, bioethics, etc. And uh, Tatiana Maslany playing like 20 different versions of herself is just fantastic. Yeah, she's incredible in that show. 
I heard it's really good, but I've never gotten around to watching it. I I watched the first four seasons, then I that's that's around when I said, Oh, I'll pick this back up and then haven't uh but yeah, it was great. She's amazing. She's so good. And the the guy who plays one of her husbands no, not one of her husbands, the guy who plays one of her hers <laughs> husband. Uh <laughs> who's you know, one of her clones is uh just a supposed to be a boring suburban mom type and the guy who plays her husband is a boring suburban dad type and he's supposed to be boring and then he just gets funnier and funnier it's so good <laughs> yeah they become uh, suburban drug dealers <laughs> for reasons yeah big recommend on that one if you haven't seen it i feel like it's the only sci-fi tv show i've seen that isn't set in space um, but i haven't watched that weird one the wachowskis made oh yeah sense eight <laughs> oh, is that the Wachowskis? It is. Yeah, I watched the first two or three episodes of that one. And so that's a solid. It's, it's got some mind powers. <laughs> <laughs> so my third one is Herman Hesse's The Glass Bead Game, which isn't. I don't know if it's usually categorized as a speculative fiction novel, but I think it certainly could be. It would be a good good one to read if you're more into classical literary fiction, uh, but would like to read something with sort of a, a, a speculative fiction sheen to it. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's set in like a fictional European country, and it's, it follows this character who gets involved with... This thing that's sort of a game and sort of an academic discipline and sort of like a form of music. Um, it's just the way it's described is kind of ineffable. It's another one that just stuck with me over time. I don't know. It's just uh, hard to fully grasp. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, me neither. Or maybe I've heard you mention it once. That's it. <laughs> He wrote it, I think, when he was, or he started writing it between starting to write it and publication was like 12 years, and he was in exile in Switzerland when it finally came out, because he was not a fan of the Nazis. Um, (laughs) And I think he then, yeah, he won the Nobel Prize in Literature shortly after it came out, so, which wasn't just for this novel, but. It definitely was sort of the capstone to his career. Check it out. Do you think about music? Were you thinking of any music or? Um, there's an album by James Blackshaw called "The Glassbeard Game," which is good. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely drop that in. Otherwise, I haven't started working on it. No problem. I'll collect. I'll collect your recommendations and then fit the rest in. Yeah, brah. <laughs> what's your What's your pitch, Ted? I mean, is this? Sh- I don't know how good this show is or isn't, but is it better than like one hundred percent of commercial radio? Absolutely, yes. Um, easy, easy, and, yeah, easily. And is it better than like? 
algorithmically determined Spotify playlist that, um, you know, pay doesn't turn a profit while still managing to pay musicians nothing? Yes, yes it is. Uh, but is it better than lo-fi beats to chill out and relax and study to? <laughs> no. <laughs> but we're getting there. <laughs> we're still working heaven. Yeah, you can't listen to that YouTube stream that many times. <laughs> Eventually, you have to turn to something else. KCSB has got to be uh, top three, top five community radio stations on the West Coast. Are there other coasts that matter? I don't think so. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it's an institution, and you should support it. Yeah, we're almost 60, 60 years almost. Yeah, if you have a if you have a Spotify subscription, you have no excuse not to give KCSB money as well. If you need to cancel your Spotify subscription to do it, well, chop chop. Something we live in. <laughs> One last time, if you just listen to this entire show and thought to yourself, hang on a second, weren't they supposed to play music? Well now, you're listening to the podcast edit of this show. If you want to listen to the music, go to lastrefugpod.com. You can find a playlist of all the music that we play and links to the mix cloud and all that good stuff. And um, enjoy. Yeah, thanks for listening. I can only assume that there are people that listen to this show. (laughs) In which case, I'm sincerely thanking you for listening. Next week, we're doing a healthcare-themed episode. Well, we'll be talking about The Blade Runner. The book, The Blade Runner. Not associated with the movie The Blade Runner, aside from the title that was stolen from the book. I think there's no the in... In the film, no. In the film, Yeah. Blade Runner, unlike in the movie Blade Runner, the name Blade Runner actually makes sense. Because <laughs> yeah. the Blade Runner runs blades. That's correct. Uh, but then the week after, we're talking about Octavia Butler, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. so I was reading the, her short stories, Bloodchild, that collection. Yeah, and yeah, that the great. second story in there, yeah, it's great, it's so good. The second yeah. collection, second book, uh, story in the collection about the people with the weird genetic disease. Oh, that is a health carry. That totally one. fits in. So maybe we could talk about that one next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ted, you should read that. Oh. All right. Second story in a in Bloodchild. Yeah, it's really short. Yeah, yeah. Might as well read the first one while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. It takes um, too long to flip ahead, so just start at page one and then go until you're <laughs> done. Finished. And then what is that repo? Repo the genetic opera. Yeah. Looks good. Have you seen it yet? I have not, so maybe we'll all be surprised about how <laughs> we're talking about I certainly about had it is. recommended to me many times in college. Yeah, I remember people being into it. Um, it's kind of got, like, Rocky Horror status, apparently. Like, people mm-hmm. go and dress up and perform the lines in front of it. People do a lot of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we got a website. Go to lastrefugepod.com. Someone on Reddit said that the website will sear your brain. That's right. We chose a very <laughs> a vibrant red. <laughs> so no, I don't would... think it's that bad. <laughs> no, 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 it's searing good. ruby. It's on. It's a purposeful. 
Yeah. I think it's a good choice. It's a palette yeah. that will stay, that will keep you on the website. Yeah. Maybe even long enough to email us at the last refuge of the incompetent at gmail.com. And you can always leave us a voicemail, 805-253-3091. If you call and you and you give us a recommendation, I'll put you on our next compilation. If you're not crazy. <laughs> I bar. <laughs> I believe how that works is uh, like the, the voicemail number is at the station and it gets printed out on one of those like stock tickers. <laughs> and then someone puts it in a pneumatic tube and it gets... Sent yeah. to our apartments. No, no. First yeah, they put but... on a pigeon. Oh, okay. yeah. Then they put the pigeon in the tube. It takes about five days for it to arrive in Philadelphia. I got a lot of dead pigeons in my... Um... At that point, they're fully roasted squab, I would say. Because <laughs> there's some friction in them tubes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Check out the Incompanauts. And I'm podcasting platform near you that is the radio play that you heard before this episode and you know what have some sweet dreams my babies sweet dreams and competeers science fiction <laughs>